0: Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're glad you joined us here for the conversation. We're studying the book of Romans and learning how the power of the gospel impacts every part of our lives. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Everyday Truth. As we continue our study of the book of Romans... And especially this great chapter number eight, we ended last episode in verse number fourteen. Let me reread that for us to get us started. The Bible says, "For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God." Matter of fact, I don't. I don't even think we ended there. I, th- I think we ended in verse number thirteen. So let me start there, verse number 14. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So an evidence in our life that we truly are the children of God. Have you ever had somebody ask you that question like, boy, I'm struggling with my salvation. How could I know that I'm saved? Well, the Bible does give us ways, mechanisms by which we can Look at our own salvation. And the Apostle Paul actually told the church at Corinth, hey, you need to examine yourselves whether or not you be in the faith. I think that's one of the purposes of the writing of 1 John. Remember, when John said, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. So one of the things that, one of the reasons why John wrote the book of 1 John was to give believers confidence in their status as believers. And the two themes of the book of 1 John, uh, light and love. That's a good way to say it. Light and love. Walking in holiness and walking in love toward our fellow believers. And the Bible says that those should be indicators. You know, As I'm as my life has, has changed and my priorities have changed and I'm walking in the light and as I'm walking in love, those should be indicators and therefore provide assurance that I truly have been transformed by the Holy Spirit of God. And then here in verse number 14 of Romans 8, if we're led of the Spirit, we're the sons of God. So what does it mean to be led by the Spirit? And don't you like the word led by the Spirit? The Spirit leads us. Now that's a shepherding term, isn't it? We think about the law. The law accuses us. The law whips us. The law is a taskmaster, but the Spirit leads. He leads us. Lead on, O gentle shepherd. What a tremendous idea that is. So how does the Spirit lead us? How are we led by the Spirit? Well, the the Spirit leads us by the Word of God. We know that the Spirit of God uses the Word of God. He helps us to understand the Word of God. So the leadership of God's Holy Spirit, is the Word of God valuable to you? Obviously, it is, or you wouldn't be listening to this podcast. Do you Do you seek it? Do you seek God's will and and way in your life? Are you learning and growing in your knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ? Uh, Did he lead you to a place of repentance, a place of acceptance of Christ? Can you point back in your mind's eye to where you were when you repented of sin and put your faith and trust in Jesus? Is there a desire in your life to live for God, and while you might fail in those desires at time because you fight this battle we've been talking about in Romans chapter 7, yet there is a compunction in your life about when you do sin and there's serious regret and you feel as if there's no peace when you are away from God. These are all ways by which the Spirit of God is leading and showing himself strong in our life. Uh, The the Spirit of God can be resisted. Uh, Stephen taught us that in his sermon there in Acts chapter 7, when he said, How long resist ye the Holy Ghost? Even Jesus said to Jerusalem, How often would I have gathered you? And yet ye would not. And so the resisting of the Holy Spirit, that's possible. But how about this? The grieving of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby ye are sealed unto the day of promise. Don't grieve him. How do we grieve him? We grieve him when we're not right with each other. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearer and grieve not the spirit. Or, or how about this? We can quench the spirit. The Bible says in 1st Thessalonians chapter 5, despise not prophesyings No, we ought to welcome the word of God, even with its rebukes in our life. Despise not prophesies, quench not the spirit. So I think we quench the spirit when we kind of rebuff the word of God in our life. So just understand that. Do you feel that in your heart? Do you sense his convicting work, his ongoing voice in your life to help you to to do what's right, to become like Jesus. Because the the presence of the Spirit of God in your life is the indicator that you are a child of God. So if you be led of the Spirit, you're the sons of God. Look at verse number, mm, verse number 13, verse number 15. Wow, I need to wear my glasses. Verse number 15, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. I love this verse. So salvation is not a matter of you used to be under this cruel taskmaster called the law that had all these high standards that you could never meet up to. And all it ever did was show you how bad you are and condemn you and say, you're never going to get out of this thing alive. Boy, that's depressing. That's bondage. And then the bondage of the law of sin, that the things I want to do, are trite, Now I want to live up to God's standards and I don't want to be addicted and in bondage to sin. And yet I, I I couldn't live in victory because I was in bondage there too. So this like this double bondage. But the Bible says that when you trusted Christ, it wasn't one slave master buying a slave from another slave master. I think about our own nation, America, and the dark stain that chattel slavery is to our country. How that people, human beings enslaved other people back in Africa as tribes would defeat other tribes and then sell the Prisoners of war to slave ship owners who would then sell them to people in the States and elsewhere, and just the merchandising of human beings being sold from one master to another master, going from one form of bondage to another form of bondage. That's not what salvation is. Salvation is not, you're not, you're not trading slave masters. No, you go from being in bondage, being under a slave master to being set free, to becoming a child of God. Now, that, what a contrast. So, here in verse number 15, we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. Why? Because when you live in bondage, when you live as a slave, you're always in fear. You're in fear of, of being caught. You're in fear of being exposed. You're in fear of being punished. You're in fear of dying. You're in fear. And the Christian life is not one of fear. Perfect love casteth out fear. Fear hath torment. He that it, 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 he that loveth it. He that, it, um, how's that going, 1 John? He that feareth is not made perfect in love. But when we, when, we, when we understand who we are and the loving ex- acceptance we have, we don't have to live in fear because we can live in peace knowing that our salvation is secure and that our relationship with God is bona fide. So we don't live in fear. We don't live in that bondage. Then verse number 15. So we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. So there's the contrast. No, we've gone from this slavery life, this bondage life, to this life of relationship, this life where I'm not objectified as merchandise, but no, I am loved and accepted, and I am adopted into the family of God. Now, understand that adoption back in the that the way they would have understood it back in first century Christianity, when the way the Roman believers would have understood this, is adoption was a thing in the Roman government. And when a person was adopted, then really what, that, what happened was their entire status changed. And th- this was not overly uncommon for a family maybe that had a slave. One out of every five people in the Roman government were slaves. To have a slave, and then maybe to say, our, "Our heart has been endeared to this person. They've served our family. Uh, we want maybe it's a a man and a woman who couldn't have their own children, and this young slave boy has lived in their family." And now they they want to leave this person uh, all of their belongings and make this person their heir. And so they adopt him. And when adoption took place, that person then had a change of status. He was called by that name. He was the legal heir to everything that person owned. His former status was wiped out. So the Bible says that's the spirit by which we ought to live our Christian lives, that we have been adopted, our status has changed. We've talked about this often. We're justified, we're declared righteous. And yet that adoption wasn't an end in and of itself. No, that adoption includes the fact that now in God's family, he loves us, he doesn't leave us, he changes us day by day, he guides us, leads us. And then one day we'll see the ultimate change and that will be even our body will be made like unto his glorious body. And so as we read Romans chapter eight, it goes on to say that while we are adopted, one day we will be adopted. So wait a minute, which is it? Am I adopted or will I be adopted? And the answer is both, both, because I am adopted in the sense of my status right now but one day i will receive the adoption and the bible specifically tells me what that is that is the redemption of my body we've said this time and again that god's the scope of god's plan for you is he wants to save all of you it's not just your status as his child, but it's the working of his spirit in your life to make you more like Jesus. And it's the transformation of your body, like unto his glorious body one day, he wants to save all of you. What a grand and glorious plan God has. We're not getting too far today, but wow, this is an an encouraging thought. Look at verse number 16, Uh, back to verse number 15 one more time. So we've received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. So because we are God's children now, both by birth and by adoption, two great metaphors that we can say, Abba, Father. Abba was the, and still is, the way that children address It's like we would say, daddy, daddy, or dada, because it's easy to say, dada, abba. I have some dear friends who live in Israel, uh, messianic believers, and I just love interacting with their family and their boys, because as their boys talk to dad, they say, abba, abba. And I remember the first time I was in their house, and they were saying, abba, and I thought, oh, how special. It's that warm and affectionate relationship that a child can have with his father. That's the relationship you have with God based upon your salvation. You've been adopted. You have that status, but you also have that relationship with him. Abba, Father. One last verse, verse number 16, the spirit itself. Now, I understand it's a neuter pronoun, but don't think the Spirit of God is not a person. Remember, the Spirit, we can say the Spirit of the Father, the Spirit of the Son. So in this sense, we're talking about the office of the Spirit. The Spirit itself maketh, uh, beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So we have the indwelling Spirit of God affirming to us our worth, our status, our adoption, our relationship with God Doesn't get any better than that. We'll stop there. Verse number 16. And we'll jump into uh, verse number 17 next episode. Thanks so much for your faithfulness. Hope you have a great day today. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, take a moment to subscribe or share the podcast with a friend. Until next time, God bless.